0: Now, I'm not going to be long today. I have no idea what that means. But I, I, I have a word for this house. Amen. And I've asked the Holy Spirit to be able to give me an ability beyond my own natural. To be able to not flow in the charisma, but to flow out of the character of God that you will be able to completely... Take this word into your spirit, and it will cause growth. Amen. That's my mother, no. <laughs> Can't believe I left my phone on, Bill. My phone doesn't usually work. She says, "Give him heaven, no. If I don't give him heaven, you get hell. Come on now. Go with me in your Bibles if you have it today. I want you to go to the Old Testament. We're going to look at some of the prophetic word that Samuel spoke. Go to 1 Samuel. If you're trying to find it, it's before 2 Samuel. Go to chapter 11. I'm going to read this whole chapter, and it would be good if... While I read, you can follow along because you, you need to get this entire passage in your spirit. I'm going to speak to you a very powerful word out of here today. Look at me for a moment. I have a word for this house. Okay? I, I, didn't, I didn't come just to give you a message or a sermon. I came here to give you a word from the very throne room of God. I don't know how excited you are about that, but I'm excited that he's allowed me to do it. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 11. Then Nahash the Amorite came up against Jabash Gilead, and all the men of Jabash said unto Nahash, Make a covenant with us, and we will serve thee. And Nahash the Amorite answered them, On this condition will I make a covenant with you, that I may thrust out all your right eyes and lay it for approach upon Israel. And uh, that, that, that's some, um, huh. Now listen to me for a moment. Would you rather lose your life or lose your right eye? Now, to me, it's not a bad deal. He's saying, man, you know, I, I won't kill you if you give me your right eye. Now, I want you to catch that. That's what he's saying here. And the elders of Jabash said unto him, Give us seven days. Respite or reprieve. In other words, we we, want to think about this for a moment. That we may send messengers unto all the coast of Israel, and then if there be no man to save us, we will come out unto thee. Then came the messenger to Gibeah of Saul and told the tidings in the ear of the people, and all the people lifted up their voice and wept. And behold, Saul came after the herd out of the field, and Saul said, "What ails the people that they weep?" And they told him the tidings of the man of Jabesh. They told him, "We got to make a covenant. They're either going to kill us." Or we got to give them our right eye, and notice what happened. Saul, his anger was greatly kindled. I have a righteous anger this morning. I have a righteous. Indi- I want to say there is an anger on the inside of me when I got the phone call you, you, you got to hang with me this morning. If you've ever listened to anybody, listen today. Not so much to me. I, I'm not here for me. I'm here for you. And I'm here because he sent me. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Okay? I, it, it wasn't planned that I would be here. That's right. God reversed his hands. Yeah. Somebody else was to have the blessing. But God reversed his hands and gave me the blessing to be in here. Come on now. And he took a yoke of oxen and hewed it into pieces. Now what he did is he, he got an ox and he just cut that into all different pieces. And he sent them throughout all the coast of Israel by the hand of Messiah, saying, who cometh forth not after Saul and after Samuel, so shall it be done unto your oxen. Notice what he was saying. If you don't get with the program. How many realize oxen was their living? He said, if you don't get with the program, I'm going to destroy everything you have. you got a choice. Now, you can either lose your right eye, get killed, or you can get with the program. (laughs) This is a pretty good passage here. In the fear of the Lord. I want to tell you something. There's a holy fear in this place. I, I don't know about you. I felt a fear. You know what a fear is? There, there's a reverence. We don't know what to do. Yeah. See, a holy reverence. You, you, you don't know how to respond, you don't know what to think. Yeah. See, a reverence is, you know, it's, it's almost like you, you're like a deer in the headlights, you're stunned. You know, it's almost like it, can I be blunt? You know, can, you know it's almost at like times like you get so angry, you'd like to tell God to go to hell. Now be truthful, I'm being truthful. I mean, you, you, you might be holier than me, but you know, in moments when I get frustrated, I just like to give him a piece of my mind, but I realize I can't afford to because there's not that much of it. <laughs> and the reason I can't actually tell him to go there is because that's where I deserve to go So if that's the case, then I need to get a hold of what's in heaven so I can get rid of hell. Okay? You with me this morning? And the fear of the Lord fell on all the people, and they came out with one consent. You know what that means? They had a Pentecost. What, what, What brought Pentecost? They were not only in one place, but they were in one consent, one accord, one mind. And when he numbered them in Bezach, see, you're numbered today. How many glad to be numbered? The children of Israel were 300,000, the men of Judah were 30,000. And they said unto the messenger that came, Thus shall we say unto the men of Jabash, Gilead, Tomorrow, by the time the sun be hot, (laughs) ye shall have help. And the messenger came and showed it to the men of Jabash, and they were glad. And then the men of Jabesh said, "Tomorrow we will go out unto them, and you shall do all that seemeth good unto us." Now they're, you know, now they're a little more confident now. You know, they're telling them, you, you, whatever you want to do, you want to kill us or take our right eye, you, 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 you make the choice, whatever seems good to you. And so on the morrow, that Saul put the people into three companies. How many are glad gods? A company of the Father, company of the Son, and the company of the Holy Ghost, and they came into the midst of the host in the morning watch and slew the Egyptians to the heat of the day. And it came to pass. Now listen to this. You got to catch. There's certain places here you got to catch before I teach you. And it came to pass that they which were remained were scattered, so that no two of the enemy. We're left together. And the people said unto Saul, Who is he that said, Shall Saul reign over us? Bring the men and put them to death. And Saul said, There shall not be a man put to death this day. For for today the Lord hath wrought salvation in Israel. I'm glad that God has wrought salvation in Israel. Then Samuel said to the people, Come, let us go to Gilgal. Now, how many realize Gilgal is the place where they renewed the kingdom? Gilgal is the place of circumcision. Okay? And all the people went to Gilgal, and they all made Saul king before the Lord in Gilgal. And they sacrificed sacrifices of peace offerings before the Lord. And there Saul and all the men of Israel rejoiced greatly. Okay, now I, I need you to hang with me because you've got to fasten your seatbelts and, and really stay with me here because I, I want to I extrapolate something from here of a truth parallel it to this house. And you say, well, what, what's that so relevant? Because the Bible said you shall know the truth and the truth shall and whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And so that's what we want to do. Now, anytime there is an awareness of God's ruling privilege and spiritual advancement, Satan will always come and challenge it. Now, you need to realize something. When you read the book of Hebrews, and you parallel that to the Old Testament of how faith is woven through the fabric of God's Word, you need to realize that You are fortunate that God found you faithful as a house to be able to handle this. Not everybody could handle what you're going through. God says you're mature. See, He says, I will not give you more than you can handle. Now hang with me. You find out in the life of Jesus, he no no sooner receives his anointing. Remember at the waters of baptism? The heavens are open. The Holy Spirit descends. He says, this is my son, I'm well pleased. And the next place he finds himself is where? In the wilderness. And Satan is challenging what God just did. And he said, since you're the king, what are you going to do about it? Now the mere fact that God is challenging, allowing you to be challenged is the mere fact that you're anointed. The devil would never attempt to challenge anybody that didn't have a mandate like this house has. Now we don't always like what we go through. But as I taught you the other night, you are more victorious today than you were last Sunday. And if you can comprehend that truth from Romans 8, you'll walk in a great victory. Now let's go through this passage one more time. Nahash, the Amorite, comes up against Jabash Gilead. Now what Jabash Gilead... It's, it's one of the communities. It's, it's one of the towns or cities or providences or states, you would call it, in the community in the land. In other words, he doesn't come up against all of Israel. All he comes up against is what? Jabesh Gilead. And Nahash comes up and he says, come out and I want you to fight. Now hear me, they had just about got a king. Saul was just about to be anointed. And, Harmony, at the end of the story, they go to where? They go to Gilead, and they, 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 the place of what? Circumcision, where they renew the kingdom. And he's telling them, why don't you guys come out and fight? Now, notice, he doesn't come against the whole nation. The devil not, never tries to take all of us out, he's a bully. He's an alley type. How many realize he only ever comes and what he tries to do is he picks on us. See, Satan is the one that likes to pick on us. Notice he never picks on your whole life. He just picks on an area. Isn't it it's amazing how he keeps bringing up the same thing all over? And, over and over. I I mean, no, he never comes up to you and go, you know, you've been doing a good job here and serving God, and you've been doing a good job there serving God, and you've been doing it, you know, know, you've really made a lot of spiritual growth. Notice what he does. He, he, He doesn't tell you anything good. He just comes and picks on the one thing that you just can't seem to get victory over and beats that ugly thing to death. You know, he doesn't come up against your whole testimony, So, listen to me, if the devil's ever going to do something, he only picks on a section. Not the totality of everything in God. And so what happens is Nahash comes and he what? He confronts Jabash Gilead. Now, one of the things you know about the Old Testament, if you've studied enough, you find out that names in the Old Testament hold a significant meaning. That's why it's so very important whatever you speak and say to people. Because words have power. Words have meaning. That's why I tell people all the time, Be careful what you say, especially to your children. See, if you see something that's weak in your children, speak the strength of the Lord over it. Okay, now, now hear me. So meanings are important. Now the first word I want us to look at is Jabash Gilead, if you're taking notes. This is a combination name. How many know? It's Jabash Gilead. And there's an interesting paradox and parallel between Jabash and Gilead. Now let's look at the, we, we could call it the last name first. Let's look at Gilead. Gilead means a rise or a heap of stones. It's a monument. Gilead means a testimony. It means like we've erected a monument to God's glory. Okay, now, Jabash, let's look at the first name, means dried up, embarrassed, ashamed. Now notice this, ashamed, back to back with a testimony. Dried up, back to back with stones. Now, they were brought out in the middle of the Jordan. And remember, they took stones and they stacked them, what? As a testimony of the faithfulness of God. Now, this house, Bill, you have seen the faithfulness of God. But isn't it amazing exactly where the faithfulness of God is? That's where the enemy will attack. In other words, at the place of triumph, back to back with the vitality of the life of an overcomer, Nahash comes out and makes a declaration. Now, he doesn't come out and say, now I want you to get everybody, I'm going to try to take all of you out. Get all the troops together. He always sneaks around the backside and he wants to take someone out. Now, that's Jabesh Gilead. Now let's look at Nahash because he's the one that caused all this. The word Nahash means snake. Okay, he's Nahash, the king of the Amorites. The word king of the Amorites, Amorites means it has its root from the word troops. In other words, troops that huddle around. Now, I don't know about you. There's nothing I hate more than huddling around and always showing up somewhere are snakes. I don't know about you. You may like snakes. Snakes, they just, they they give me this, I get this bad feeling. I mean, you know, I have snakes show up on my property in St. Augustine, and I go get me the the metal uh, shovel, and man, I go after, I mean, not I just, yeah, you know, I, you know I, I, I'm getting him before he even thinks about you. I mean, you know, I, there's something about him. The, distressing, nagging. I mean, they're like, you know, anybody here likes snakes? The only way you can like snakes is you're a snake. No, no. <laughs> See, you're challenging the point. Naash is of where there is testimony, where there is advancement. Now, can you hear what I'm saying today? I mean, do you get, I, I'm going to be more blunt, but I, I, I'm painting a picture. Okay, I, I, I know where I'm going. I know where I'm taking you. So just, are, are you with me so far, though? Now, Nahash comes out, and he, he's a coward. Uh. He realized that there were more people. In other words, that there was not enough people with Jabash Gilead to fight them. They were were outnumbered. And so, what did did Jabash Gilead do? Well, they they said, What do you want us to do? You know, we can't fight you. You know, you got more with you than we got with us. You know, we go and fight, we're going to lose. And so, what takes place? Nahash says, well, then, then you need to make an agreement with us. And remember, I read it. Nahash the Amorite come up against the camp of Jabesh Gilead, and all the men said to Nahash, make a covenant with us, and we will serve you. Now, listen to me. When Satan comes, and you feel like you're... Overpower- How many feel like you're overpowered today with what's taken? I don't know about you. I, I feel overwhelmed with what's taken place. I mean, I, I, I feel like, man, we've been outnumbered. We've been outpowered. I mean, I, it, it feels like, you know, sometimes I feel like, you know, man, we lost a battle that we shouldn't have won. I don't know about you. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like I, I, I scratch my head and I go, man, I can think of, you know, so many other people that deserve this. And then God stops me and he says, Would you like what you deserve? And I'm like, Oh, okay. Isn't it amazing how we don't really understand God? But the moment we stop and pause and we see La and we let God talk to us, we understand that, man, we don't understand at all. See, my problem is my pride. I think I know. But I never hear from God till I become humble. Until I say, you know, God, you know, you're all right, man. See, I hate to tell God he's all right in a situation like this because my pride wants me to... Come on now, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be helpful. trying to be honest with you. See, at moments like this, the devil wants to strike a bargain with us. He wants to barter with your mind. He, he, he wants you to compromise. Okay? See, he comes in at a moment like this, and he goes, you know, you don't understand, and you know, you, you've been defeated, and you feel like you've lost a battle. See, you, you don't put into focus Romans 8 that I taught you the other night. Yes. See, the greatest victory in the church is not life. The greatest victory in the church is death. How many would like to experience it right now? See, you know, come on now, you hear me? We avoid it. But yet it's the greatest testimony you could ever have. That you faced it and it didn't kill you. I mean, they aren't you with me today. My sister, your wife, your mother, your, your 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 pastor, she's more alive than we are, and we're all fretting. Come on now. I mean, I was talking to my wife on the phone, and I said, "Don't talk to me like that. I gotta preach." Come on now. I mean, yeah, now she, she got a little, you know. I said, no, "Don't get offended. I'm not. Try- I'm just. I'm just trying to protect myself for a minute. You know. I." I, I I've got to deliver a word that I can't compromise because, see, if I don't extrapolate the truth to give you something, you're not going to have anything to walk on in the days of your future. Right. And I believe that's why God brought me here. And notice what he says. On this condition I will make a covenant with you, that I might thrust out your right eye and lay it as a reproach upon all of Israel. Now what he wanted to do is take, he to take everybody's right eye out so that he could mock them. Now, I'm going to give you my title for my message. Very few people give the title of the message after they spoke for 15 minutes. But I'm going to give you the title of my message. Write it down. Don't let the devil take your vision. Don't let the devil take your vision. Now, remember I asked you in the beginning, would you rather lose your life or lose your right eye? and we all by consensus agreed we would rather give up our right eye than to give up our life now see your right eye is the sign of power your right eye is the vision I'll show you how powerful this is I want you to get something like uh... Let, let, you, you see this uh, where a plant is that where a, uh, no? a light should be hanging down I want you to do something. I want you to look at it. You see where that little hook, that hanger, that thing that looks sort of like this down? Uh, Come on. Get your your finger. Get your right hand. Get your right hand, your right finger. And I want you to point at that. Okay? Now, zero in on it. Now, I want you to do something for me a moment. I want you to put your hand over your right eye real fast and tell me what happens. ha! Now see, what the devil wants to do is to take your right eye. He wants you to live, but to be non-effective. See, what, 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 what the devil wanted to do here, now listen to me, that God gave me this for this house. What the devil wanted to do was to take your right, see, hear me, if he can take your right eye through anything that you'll compromise, anything that you'll give up, you'll live, but never have power again. Now, if you believe in the legacy of what Sister Kim has left, don't you dare give up your right eye. Don't you dare give up the vision that she gave her life for in this house. I'm telling you, see, Nahash, he, he didn't take into accord that there was a king in Gebeah. He didn't, see, see, the devil didn't take into accord that there would be a little prophet man come from St. Augustine with a word to explain what the enemy is up to. See, I, I'm here to tell you that. It says, the messenger came to Gilbay of Saul. See, see, I wasn't to get the call to be here. I was to get the call to participate and to, to be here. But I wasn't to get the call to do what I've done. But see, God orchestrates things so that you get what you need. And see, the word of the Lord came to Saul. See, when the word came to me, my first thing was, you know, man, you know, I, I I did not want to accept the weight and the responsibility of what I was being given because I'm not the type of guy that can come and read from a book. You know, I mean, I, I'm not the type of guy that prays at night. Now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to take, If I should rise before another day, I pray the Lord my soul to I'm I'm not that type of guy. I'm the type of guy that prays, God, I hate you, man. I've had a terrible day. I can't stand you. You know, man, I ho- hope something happens during the night, and when I wake up in the morning, I feel a lot better than I do right now. I mean, I- I'm that type of guy. I- I'm just a real guy. I'm just an honest guy. I'm just, you know, I, I-, I-, I can't, I, I don't, I-, I live by the book, but not the way everybody interprets the book. Now, what the devil has wanted to do, now you listen to me, Pastor Bill, you listen to me, Will, Listen to me, charity. You, you listen to me, leaders. You listen to me in this house. You listen to me, dad and mom. What the devil has wanted to do was take out the prospect of any tomorrow at a very high price that has been paid. And I've asked the Lord to, to by His Spirit, to waken a readiness in you to respond. Like you have never responded before. I was told the other night that the dancers all got together. And I, I, people that had watched it said it was more powerful than it had ever been. Now you need to realize something. There will be a greater anointing on you than there has ever been before. If you will continue to what do what you did before this happened. Because, see, now what has happened is her anointing is dispersed among us. Are you following me? But, see, what the enemy would want you to do is he would want you to think now we are less. But really, now we are more. See, don't surrender, don't retreat. See, the enemy's going to want you to back up. Oh, you know, well, I, I need to take a sabbatical. I need, you know, I just need to sit back for a while. I, I, I need to recalibrate and I need to recalculate. You know, I, I need to rethink. What? She'd kick your. Yeah. <laughs> I almost said it. I'm telling you, she, she, if you do anything but get more fervor from the Lord, you know, she's the type of person, I think she came down on haunt you in your dreams. I'm just telling you, what she's saying is if you believe what I believed, carry on the message. I want to tell you a quick story. I remember walking into the hospital in Poughkeepsie, New York, as a young pastor. I'd started pastoring in September of 1981. I remember walking into the hospital in November. It was either November or December, and there was a little boy. There was a family in our church that had just given birth. And they named the little boy Daniel Levi Moore. And the reason they named him Levi is my name is Douglas Levi Murray. And I was summoned to the hospital that they were about to land the helicopter and take the boy from Poughkeepsie to to Westchester Community, uh, Westchester Medical Center, a hospital for children that are in. And and they said he won't make it on the flight. He's going to die. He won't live. I remember walking down the hallway, they were the last room on the left on the third floor in Vassar Brothers Hospital in Reed Place. And I remember walking down towards the balcony, or towards the last room, and I started praying. And when I really pray, I pray like this. And I'm walking towards that door, and I get to the door. Now hang with me on the story until I finish the totality of it. I get to the door. I open the door, and when I walk through, God says, prophesy that that baby will live and not die, and be called a miracle. Now, as I'm walking through the door, the, the nurses are telling me, you know, you got to hurry. We don't think the boy, we don't think he'll live even to get on the helicopter. He's in that much distress. And I walk in, you know, and man, I, I'm just young. I'm a young pastor, and you know, full of faith, and I started going, "Ha shaker!" And the nurses and the doctors—they all. I said, "God told me this boy'll live and not die. Let's give a praise unto God." And I taught my man. They just started praising God, and the nurses and the doctors—they were mad. I mean, I could tell they were furious with me. And I went home and laid my hands on that little boy. I said, "You shall live and not die," and they shall call you a miracle. They proceeded to leave with the boy and took him to the hospital in Westchester. They landed the helicopter took him out, checked the boy out, and within 12 hours, they dismissed him and he went home as a testimony. Amen. 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 Now, I- I'm wrong in the dates. It was September of, ni- uh, October, November of 1984. We'd already had Tiffany. She was born I was going to the hospital for our second child to be born and delivered. Now notice this, I had never preached a funeral yet as a pastor, never. But I remember holding my son that had died during birth in my hands in that same hospital. And I remember I looked down and I said, God, I prayed for a miracle for a little boy here six or eight weeks ago and he lived. Why am I holding my dead boy? And That's when God gave me the revelation from Romans chapter 8. We are not just victorious when the praise reports come in. We're not just victorious when the healing reports come in. We're victorious when we face death, and we've won. And I remember holding that little boy in my hand, and I started singing, I just want to praise you, praise And I started singing praises unto God. Now, here I am, man, there's nurses all around me, and I'm praising God. And I remember my wife had been sedated and she was in and out. But I remember her laying on the bed just lifting her hands as I was singing. I want to praise you much more than I ever have before. And God taught me during that. Hear me now. As a young man. Man, faith. You know, you can imagine how riveted I was. And I had to go. I, I preached the funeral of my own son. And God taught me victory in the house. And our house was released into a greater moment of tremendous growth, tremendous healings, tremendous deliverance, numbers of people getting the Holy Ghost. Now, do I understand all that? Would I ever want to go through that again? No. But it did something in me. Because I remember holding that little boy saying, Devil... You messed with the wrong guy. Yeah. Yeah. Remember, I, I said, devil, you, you, you slapped, you, you, you crossed the line. You will regret. You will regret. Because you think I was bad before, man. And I became much more energized, much more focused. And was able to do much more for God than I had ever done before. Now again, man, I, 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 I don't always like the lessons. I, I don't like always how I get there. But I'm telling you one thing. The devil is not going to win no matter what he does. Amen. You don't make a deal. Don't you dare let the devil take your right eye. Amen. Will, don't you let the devil take your right eye. Pastor, don't you, give, don't you give up your right eye. Don't you give up your... Don't give, don't give up your right eye. What a tragedy to live the rest of your life without direction and focus and never to arrive and achieve that which she took her life for and planted in this house. See, when you recognize something. See, you know, Saul's anger, it says, got greatly kindled. I got a kindled anger. I, I, I told God one more time on my way up here, you know, driving. I'm praying. I'm saying, you, you know, one more time. I'm just, I'm mad at you that you did this to this place. I'm mad at you that one of my dearest, closest friends, even though we don't spend a lot of time together, but I feel a kindred, I'm mad that you rest with his head. I'm mad that you did that to him. I remember driving out the car saying, sucker, I'm going to be more fervent than I ever have against you. Why did you do that? See, you've got to be careful of your response. Because he's just the roaring lion. See, he's just the roaring lion. And I'm praying to God, and I'm speaking today, that there will be something rise within you. Where you just don't get mad, but where you assail sell this thing and say, Where you've come to cheat me, where you've come to kill and the development of what's God's and when you've come to wipe out the vision, where you've come to mock our testimony, there's gonna be something fresh arise within this house. And we are gonna stand more together. More unified. And notice what he says here. Man, now, I'm not a prophet of doom and not gloom. and You know, I don't like to scare the hell out of you. (laughs) But notice what he said, man. If you don't get together what I did to this oxen, I'll let the enemy do to you. Harold, don't you give your right eye up. I don't care how bad you feel, how much pain you're in, how much grief you're experiencing. Don't you give your right eye up. Allow this to catapult you to a greater level of anointing to say, God, I need to depend upon you more because I feel like I understand less than when we started in this fight. And it says, and they numbered them in Bezac. God wants the number. How many here want to be numbered in this house? How, how many want to be one of the number? Amen. Now, the word, what's the word Bezac? They numbered them in Bezac. It simply means lightning or a place of brightness. I promise you, in the midst of your darkness... God's going to give you a flash of light and let you know you're not standing alone. God's going to start doing some things that haven't happened for a long time, that have been put off. He is going to he is going to expedite them and bring great light to let you know he's with you. And that he's going to do things and notice it's for the kingdom. It's for the kingdom. Notice what he said. On tomorrow that Saul put three companies together. Remember we read it. And they went down and it came to pass that they scattered. No two of them were together. Anytime you study spiritual warfare. Now I could get into great teaching here. And teach for three or four hours on this. But that's not the reason I'm here to do that. No two of them were left together. What he did is he destroyed the rank of the enemy. That he could complete harm to the totality of what God was doing. And then notice what he says. He said, I want you to come to Gilgal and renew the kingdom. And what he simply says, you know what the place of Gilgal is? It's the place of circumcision. Now at Gilgal, you know, it, it, it's not bad. I, I mean, you know, circumcision that circumcision, that, that, that's when they take the male part and they cut it back. You know, that's all right for a child. But I cannot imagine at my age. Getting circumcised. I'm just telling you right now. I mean. Now you women might not be able to relate to this. But I think you can if you had a little child. And they were, But I want to tell you something. At this age. I think I would probably kill the person that was sent. <laughs> to circumcise me. I mean I, I cannot imagine. it. I, I mean I just. It's it just more than my mind can fathom. But hear me, if you study later on in scripture, they were also recircumcised again at Gilgal. Now hear me, now notice, the enemy, you say, well man, do I want to be, or, well hear me, what has what happened is, God always cuts you back and circumcises you at the place of life. That's why when you go in the waters of baptism, what does God do? Jesus meets you in the waters of baptism, and what does he circumcise? Your heart. Did you know that when you get baptized? Jesus comes in the water and meets you and circumcises your heart so that you can now be cut back so that where there was not life and where there could have been something come in to pollute or create disease, he circumcises you so that you can bring forth life. Now, Saul says, let's go to Gilgal. And what I'm simply saying to you today is, I don't want the enemy to take your right eye. So I want us to go to Gilgal. And I want every one of us in here to let God circumcise our hearts, our minds our eyes, our thoughts, our feelings. And the reason I want us to go to Gilgal this morning is because if we don't let God... See, God wants to not only number you, but God wants to mark you. Let me say that again. God doesn't only want to number you, but God wants to mark you. Now hear me, I prophesied to this house that your latter days will be greater than your former days. I want to tell you something this morning. I prophesied to you that you are not less this morning than you were. You are more. And I want to tell you something today, it's not the time for you to retreat, for you to back up, for you to lay back, it's the time for you to rally greater together than you've ever been before, with more fervency, with more zeal, with more excitement, with more enthusiasm than you ever have. Now you say, well, well, I don't feel like it. We don't walk by feelings. I don't think I can do it. We don't walk by sight. This is a walk of faith. This is a walk of victory. You must see not beyond this, but you must see through this. You have won. I said you have won. There should be a great shout of victory. There should be a great time of praise. When I came in here this morning, I, I, I told Sister Charity, I said, now make sure you sing that praise, upbeat, glorified music this morning that you're known for in this house. And I want to tell you something. When the enemy comes in with a, you need to raise up a standard and just begin to go hashikata. You messed with the wrong You should have never You think I was bad before e-ko-to-ra-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, You think I wanted to. You think I wanted to preach and love the sheep before You watch me now, Buster. My God, I feel better myself after saying that. Do you understand me? See, the Bible said, Talking to yourself in Psalms in hymns. and hymns. Hear me. You know, one thing, they say if you talk to yourself, you're crazy. No, no, no. If you don't talk to yourself, you're crazy. Come on, huh? Because, see, if you don't talk to yourself, the devil talks to you. And how many of you woke up this morning and the first thoughts you had were not from God and were not from you? Hear me. They were from the devil telling you, don't go, don't go. It's not worth it. Oh, my God. No, 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 no. I want to tell you something. When the devil comes in, you need to rise up a standard and begin to sing, I shall not be. I shall not be moved just like a tree that's planted by the water. I don't care how much comes down that stream. I'm not going to be moved because my roots go too deep. Hallelujah! Amen. And if you'll take the stance that the Holy Ghost of God has brought me as a prophet to speak to if you'll take it, hear me, the history of this church will not be able to contain what God does from this moment forth. There will be a new spirit of evangelism They'll start coming from north, south, east, west. There'll be great testimonies that arise from this church of deliverance and healing. Man, let me tell you something. When I was a young pastor, man, imagine your first funeral you have in your church is your own boy. I remember at my funeral, my parents were good Assembly of God people. And my mother was mad at me for how I handled my memorial service for my son. She said, you didn't say anything about the little boy. Why why didn't you talk more about him? Man, I got up and told my people what we're going to do in the kingdom. I mean, I just got radical. I got, you know, and, and I remember looking at my mom. I said, Mom, it's because I love Jesus more than I love you. She said, be careful how you talk to your mother. And I looked at her. I'll never forget Bill. I looked at her and I said, you need to be careful how you talk about the prophet. And she just got quiet. Now, I say all that to say this because after that, I, I, I used to pray for people. and Great miracles took place, especially with children. It was crazy. I want to tell you what else they would do. Because of how we handled it and what I did at the hospital and everything, I probably got a call during my pastor about 20 to 25 times when parents lost children at birth in the hospital. The hospital called me to come down and minister to families. And as a result of that, we probably got 10 new families in our church. Now, let me ask you something. When I think about it, would I want to go through that to get that? No. God said to me, I'll give you ten families in your church. Give me your little boy. I'd say, take a hike. Go to the next church. But because I embraced what happened to me, God did something beyond me that every time that happened, there was a new joy of revelation. Revelation. That I thought, my God, what a testimony, that little boy. What a preacher he is. And he's not even alive. What an effect. Why? Because as a church, because as a church, you learned how to handle it. And the world looked at you and marveled. People looked at you and go, wow, I can't believe it. Man, I, I can't believe those folks. what have they got? I prophesy this is, this is church's finest hour. Don't let the devil take your future, don't let the devil take your victory, don't let the devil take your advancement, don't let the devil take your vision, don't let the devil take your tomorrow, don't let the devil take your rulership, don't let the devil take your right eye. God's about to do some great things. Now, I want us to sing that song that we sang before I came to preach. And I want you, if you're among those that you want God to number you, and you're not going to let the devil take your right... How many understand this passage a little better today? You're not going to let the devil take your right eye... I want you to come up here. Somebody move this podium back here for me. I want you to come up here and join me this morning. Would you do that? I want you to come up here and join me. Just move it back here. As we sing this song, go ahead, play it. And as we praise the Lord, put the words up there. If you, you want God to, to number you, 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 you're not going to let the devil take your right eye. Just just come on up here. Now come on, you've got to sing it. How great our God? Oh, come on. Let it billow. Come on, let it roll. Tell him. You sing it to him. How great Sing it to him, will Is our God Sing it to him